The Old Pilot's Plain Tales. Jeff Lee, a master photographer. Now, this is an interesting um, question because I'm a bit of a pilot who thinks he's a photographer. The chap I'm chatting to right now is a photographer who thinks he's a pilot. I'm only joking. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Lee is a truly professional aviation photographer, and I'm delighted to have the chance to uh, chat to him today because um, the sort of things he did, uh, well, does still, are the things that I dreamt of and the images he's produced are absolute classics and I hope he'll give us a chance to see just a, one or two of them perhaps to put on the website. Uh, but I know Jeff Lee because Jeff uh, <laughs> used to come to regularly uh, to RF Valley when I was there as an instructor and uh, sit in the back seats of Hawks while we did a lot of air-to-air photography. Now I sadly never got a chance to fly with him but I think I was probably the subject of a few of his pictures. So that's how I know Jeff and I know a lot of you guys out there, guys and girls out there are keen aviation photographers and I'm hoping that he will give us a few tips and tricks to make sure our images are as good or at least try to be as good as his. Jeff, lovely to uh, chat to you again after all these years. I know, it's it's fantastic when you said, well firstly come and meet you again because we live so close together without knowing it but it was an absolute delight to come and see you today and um, see you and your wife. It's been absolutely brilliant so far. And again, it's my pleasure to um, you know, pass on some of my tips uh, to your listeners. I hope we can get some of them out of you. Now, um, we first met at RAF Valley, but I want to go back a bit further. How did you first get into photography as a trade? Um, I actually, it was my second choice, not my first choice. Um, so I wanted to be, believe it or not, because I lived uh, uh, in Sunbury on Thames, which is near Heathrow Airport, uh, I thought leaving school I'd become an engineer and having Heathrow around the corner I thought I would probably end up uh, trying to get an apprenticeship with BA or BOAC at the time. Uh, I did go for interviews, unfortunately I failed um, and I then applied. I discovered that Hawker Siddeley Aviation were um, only about five miles away in Kingston-upon-Thames. Ham. So um, I uh, applied, went for an interview and I got the job. Um, But I actually, uh, on my interview form, uh, on my application form, I actually um, said I would like to either be a graphic designer because I enjoy drawing and drawing plans and bits and pieces. And I also tick photography. I always enjoyed photography. Wasn't necessarily very good at it, but I enjoyed the art of taking pictures. And I, I couldn't believe it, but they offered me a, a four-year apprenticeship as a, a trainee photographer. And that's how it all started in 1975. They trained you to become a photographer? A professional industrial photographer. Brilliant. But um, what kind of pictures were you taking back in those days? Right. Uh, where I worked, it's uh, essentially where the um, the Hawker Siddeley uh, Hawk and the Hunters and the Harriers were built. That's where all the initial uh, aeroplanes uh, were assembled before going to Dunsfold in Surrey to then uh, have their f- test flights and then go to the customers. So essentially it was anything to do with the people or the parts to do with the aeroplane. And, and I mean any single part of the aeroplane. I would say the average stuff, there was a lot of people stuff. Uh, a lot of our marketing people used to go abroad, so a lot of passport-type pictures, visa pictures. But the main thing was anything to do with the aeroplane 
uh, its manufacture. So we spend a lot of time, uh, the designers and, and some of the guys on the shop floor would say, uh, we've got a problem with this pipe run or electricity cable or hydraulics. Uh, can we have some pictures? Because even though we've got technical drawings, they don't show us actually what the actual build is like. So we used to spend hours um, photographing um, aircraft parts or, or made up components of the aeroplane. You get a lot of darkroom experience in those days. Yes. I'm assuming it was all wet film. It was all wet film. And when I started, we used, um, I was using Hasselblad cameras. So it was all uh, um, two and a quarter square. Uh, so when you were trying to get into undercarriage bays on small aeroplanes, and then you've got a huge camera plus a flash gun, actually, and then you've got to get yourself in, uh, it, it was always, it was a fun and you'd always end up bruised and scratches, but that was always part and parcel. As for the darkroom stuff, again, the part of the apprenticeship, you actually learn, we learned not just the, the wet process, which I'll cover just in a minute. We used to actually go into various other departments for the for the for six months. So you get total grounding of how an aircraft uh, manufacturer occurs. Then um, as part of that, when I first started going into the photographic department, I would black and white print. I'd learn colour printing. Even though I did it at college, it's different when you do it, do ones off to then doing it all day, every day for maybe a week. Um, and then doing uh, photography, processing of black and white films, processing, processing colour films, slide films, neg films. And then we also used to do a lot of the old aeroplanes, a lot of the old dials in the cockpit used to have the plastic dials. But within that dial, there was actually a metal, uh, some wording so we used to actually, uh, through photographic processes, we actually used to make the metal that used to go into the bits of plastic. Also our radar screens at Dunsfold at the time, your approaches and, and your glide pass, so the air traffic com uh, controllers used to see you coming down. That We used to do those on glass plates, and they had to, had to be exact because obviously... If if you if it was out by a certain percentage, obviously it wasn't um, at the right heights. When We're you... talking about photographic etching here, are we? Of yes, some kind? Etching, etching the yeah, glass. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. And again, our files at Kings Pond Thames went back to the um, early 1914. So we had the original whole plates of all the Sopwith aeroplanes. Oh good lord! What a fantastic historic place to be in. It yeah. must have been fabulous. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was sad when it all uh, disappeared. The stuff is all accessible. It's just, it's a shame it's not all in one place. Well, you're right, but at least it's been preserved and yes. not put in a skip somewhere. Exactly. Now, you landed a great job, uh, but it presumably progressed because you ended up, when we met, uh, working for British Aerospace. So I'm guessing your company was swallowed by the big monster? It was. Um, essentially, I started at the bottom. Uh, I did a four-year apprenticeship, but five-year college course. And then I got my, my break, really, was 1980. Uh, I was actually on a on a Hawk uh, American tour. Um, the company were trying to sell the Hawk into America for their new training aeroplane. And I met a, an RF exchange officer called Chris Taylor. And we got on like a house on fire. And he said, I'm going to be taking over at uh, Valley on uh, one uh, squadron. And I'd love you to come and fly with me. And 
that's how it all started. And that's when we met. I had no idea you met Chris in America. Yeah, he was flying T-38s at Randolph Air Force Base. Well, I never. What a coincidence. Yeah. Now, of course, that's where our story starts yeah. because I was posted to uh, number one squadron at uh, 4 FTS Valley and uh, ended up working for Chris yeah. as one of his flight instructors. Yeah. And that's how we met because yeah. you started coming along and leaping into the back seats of various aircraft yeah. to do all sorts of things. Yeah. Now, let me go back a bit. What was your very first airborne photo shoot and um, how did it go? Right. Interesting. Believe it or not, it was not in a military aeroplane. Uh, again, uh, as I slowly worked my way through the company and my, my aim, having seen my, my colleagues in front of me and, and apprentices that had finished their apprenticeship that I was working for, uh, some of them didn't get the opportunity to fly military aeroplanes. For me, I, I can't remember the exact date, but it was probably 1978-ish uh, when we used to have a new Hawk aeroplane. A new uh, uh, aeroplane came out the hangar in a different paint scheme or used to have different uh, weapons on. The company required air-to-air photographs. So what we used to do, we would use one of our communications aeroplane, which was one, a uh, de Havilland Dove, a twin-engine uh, aeroplane. Yeah, I remember the Dove, yes. And uh, also, we, after that, uh, we had a, a Seminole. Piper Seminole as a, again, communications aeroplane, but they could all do about 140, 140 knots, uh, which uh, when you get a Hawk, you put the uh, flaps down, you can comfortably fly at a 140, 120, which was more than enough to do the air-to-air photography from. Okay, it wasn't very, you know, it's not like the uh, the aeroplane could do lots of manoeuvring, but it was good enough for what we, the purpose of the exercise. So my first one was in a Dove aeroplane. And I remember we were actually, we were actually right at the back of the aeroplane where the loo was. And they, they took all the door the doors off just to give us more room. But the problem was that the main door out or in and out of the aeroplane was just some flimsy little lever. And a couple of times, my pilot that we were photographing actually had to radio in to say, could you just turn the handle? Because if you, if you don't, you'll, you'll end up falling out. <laughs> I remember that so vividly because it happened so many times. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so health and safety was paramount in your mind at that point. I <laughs> yes, can, it was. I can tell. Brilliant. So that, that, was my, that was my learning, early learning on air-to-air photography. And learning, I suppose, the key to it is communication. And also learning pilot terms because at that stage I was so naive. I didn't really know anything about the art of flying and the terminology talking to pilots and I suppose that that early first couple of flights where you have to brief pilots but if you don't really know what airplanes do can and can't do as I said that 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 was a very steep learning but my 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 real break came in 1980 I had just come out of my my apprenticeship and Chivna was going to reopen a second time and uh, there was going to be a new Hawk squadron down there and one of my first away jobs uh, for the company as a fully qualified junior photographer was to go down to Chivener and photograph the opening ceremony with the hawks and the helicopters and, and meet everybody, but photograph it for the company as they were our aeroplanes that were going to be there for the first time. And I met uh, the boss of the squadron, a super, super chap. He actually said to me, we would like some air-to-air pictures of our hawks 
would you be prepared to come? And I said, I would love to. The problem that I've got at the moment, I'm in sort of a catch-22. My company would like to put me on a medical um, survival training course and do my yearly medical, but they don't know whether or not I'm going to be suitable, whether I'm going to be throwing up, whether I never want to be in an aeroplane again. So I explained this to the boss and he said, we'll fly you and providing you're, you know, you do your job, uh, I'll write to your boss and... Um, and, and that's really how my, my, my career started in 1980, all through to this one guy who, who had faith in me. Isn't that marvellous? Yeah. And presumably from the, the back of that, you got yourself a proper aviation medical yeah. and uh, one of the very few photographers who had that kind of uh, access to military aircraft. You, there was no stopping you after that. It was one trying to get my name known, trying to get my work known. And Chivna was a good platform. Because not only am I meeting instructors who are then probably going to go on back onto the front line, I'm also meeting students going through. So hopefully when they get to their, their squadron, you know, I'll, I'll meet them again or five years, 10 years later. And that's what's happened. The people I met back in the early 80s and 90s, both Valley, Chivna and Brody, they're now chiefs of the Air Force. And I still are friends with them to this day. Or, you know, some are group captains, some are Air Commodores. And that's what's so nice is the fact I'm still friends with these people today. Brilliant. And they opened doors, hopefully. They, they have done, yes. So we've heard about your first airborne uh, shoot. Perhaps you could uh, explain to us some of the challenges you face when trying to do air-to-air photography. Most of my challenges are when I, I, I either get a phone call or an email, Jeff, we'd like you to come to our airbase, uh, we want you to photograph X, Y or Z. It's that initial phone call to find out exactly what what they want photographing, why, is there anything specific? And then really for me, I then um, put together a, a photographic brief of the information they've provided. And in the old days, it used to be on paper and then uh, overhead projectors. And now, of course, we're into modern day PowerPoints. So that has all changed in, in, in terms. But actually... My planning process is exactly the same and I scrupulously go through what is possible and again now having done it for 40 years I know, I know what aeroplanes can do can't do I know what pilots can do and can't do and I also know when I'm given a set of pilots I know they're all highly competent professional people that uh, obviously trust their other colleagues when we're doing uh, formation flying. But so it's more the manoeuvring. And, and obviously, they've got to have faith in what I want. But it, safety is paramount. That is the key to, to, to good planning is safety. But knowing when you're in the vertical, you know, where one peels away from the other, what height you rejoin, that one's on odds, one's on evens. So it's not just the photography I have to think about. I also have to think a little bit about about the safety of it. Planning is the key. And you only get that with years and years and years of experience. You say you've been in the industry 40 years. That's more or less as long as I've been a professional pilot. So we've kind of, our careers have paralleled. It's, it's very yes. interesting. And of course, some of the maneuvers you're asking your pilots to perform aren't the average day-to-day maneuver. They may be just an absolute one-off that they've never attempted before and they're going to have to exercise their skills to, yes. in order to pull off what you're asking for. Yeah. What generally... Um, and, and the type of aeroplane, to a degree, is academic, other than the speeds and maybe the turning ability. Most air-to-air sorties we do 
within uh, the, uh, that I've done within the Royal Air Force. And again, you know, I'm very lucky. I've flown with the Red Arrows and other aerobatic display teams. They all say at the end of an hour, you know, hour, hour 20 sortie, they are they're absolutely shattered because it's it's concentration and we're doing we're not necessarily flying closer than you normally do when you do formation flying but it's some of the maneuvering that goes with it and the thought processes and it's thinking when when either we're turning over an airplane or the other airplanes coming towards us you know we've always got to think you know avoid collisions and again I wouldn't put us into that position in the first place but you still have to go through this process. And even when we do the briefing, you know, and the pilots um, explain the fuels, what aeroplanes and whatever, safety comes into that before we even get into the photography side of things. So it's, you know, it is key. Absolutely. The physical aspects, though, of uh, managing a camera, uh, particularly in a, a fighter where the cockpits are small, or you're pulling G, how much of a problem is that? Uh, I would say in my early days... Because, uh, again, my naivety, uh, pulling G and then the aeroplane at 45 degrees or 90 degrees, uh, it was just, you know, it's like, how the hell am I going to actually get some of this photography? And then I learned that actually the chase aeroplane is the key. There's no point. My early days, people used to fly me and they used to buzz over the other aeroplane, pulling stacks of G. And then I realized fairly early on that actually as a camera platform, we need to be, yes, we might need to manoeuvre, but we need to do things on a steady basis. In other words, we get the other aeroplane to do the hard work. So keeping the G down is, is, uh, is essential. And in the early days, using Hasselblads, uh, so that camera was extremely heavy and there was uh, the map we had magazines loaded with the film in and each magazine that we used to have only took 24 pictures and it was a roll film not cassettes i used to take up six magazine backs with me so you, that in itself is a lot of space so what um, uh, the navigators used they had a nav bag which was like two uh, aircrew pockets that had been sewed sewed together uh, with velcro so it meant that when my when my magazines were in there uh, they would stay safe in there biggest problem pulling G the camera would actually pack up at 4G it was the mirror we're going to leave it there for the moment and I may be being a bit self-indulgent but as a keen photographer I have to say I found this and the rest of the interview absolutely fascinating thanks very much to Jeff Lee for his time and his insights into this amazing subject there will be more to come, and if you want to see what Jeff is up to and take a look at some of his images, please visit his website at plainfocus.com. If you enjoyed this interview, then please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Plane Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show. You can find us at airlinepilotguy.com.